Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to Underground Nights. Yes, We're back. yes, <laughs> back at last. I'm joined as ever by the incredibly excited James Mullinger. I am incredibly excited. This is uh, this is bizarre. That it's. I mean, it's bizarre that it's taken us so long to record another one of these. Uh, it's been two years. Two years. Um, we're currently in the middle of, or the beginning of, or the end of, who knows, uh, a global pandemic, uh, a lockdown nationally. You, of course, in the UK, me here in Canada. And uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've done hundreds of podcasts, basically every single kind of offer, interview offer that I've ever had and never had time for, has suddenly now, it's like, yeah, well, it's that, or play with the fucking kids. So, yeah, I'll do it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, but, but this is the first time that I'm doing one where I'm with my old buddy, and I'm talking about something that I'm actually interested in. I'm not having to pretend to be interested in comedy or Canadian politics. I am get, getting to talk about the only thing that really matters to me, and that is three murdered drug dealers from 25 years ago. Excellent. That's exactly what we're here for, James. The Rettenden murders. Now, you are a little bit obsessed with this. I know you've got every book. You've watched every film. So I for have. the listeners that don't know, give us a quick recap on exactly what happened to who. 6th of December 1995, uh, three uh, drug dealers by the name of Pat Tate, Craig Ralph and Tony Tucker were murdered in a Land Rover uh, on um, a lane that I believe is called uh, Workhouse Lane in Essex. Yep. And um, I don't know if uh, everyone from our generation remembers where they were when they heard about the Essex Boy murders. I mean, I do, oddly. I was in Maidenhead Library in the, the town where I grew up and uh, looking at the newspapers uh, that were there. And it was the front page news, these three drug dealers who may or may not have been uh, involved in the uh, supplying of the ecstasy pill that, that tragically killed uh, uh, schoolgirl Leah Betts. And... Um, I was fascinated by it. I mean, this is, as you say, it was 25 years ago, and I was absolutely fascinated by it. 
and have continued to be so to the extent that here I am 25 years later. Um, I guess, I mean, I guess for some, for some young males like ourselves, it is our JFK. Yeah, I, do you know what? I think you you probably hit the nail on the head. For a lot of people, it is, especially if you're involved in that scene at the time, not the selling the drugs part, but no, the but out and enjoying yourself part. That's it. But more than the Rettenden murders, I definitely remember the Leia Betts um, mm. death. Yeah. And um, I remember we had been to a club in Brighton and we were coming home. A friend Tim was driving. It was probably 6, 6.30 in the morning. Mm. The sun was coming up and we were driving on the main road out of Brighton back towards Hastings and there on a massive billboard was a picture of Leia Betts mm. with the intensive care equipment mm. all in her, pipes mm. out of her mouth and someone had climbed up there and spray painted the words lightweight. Right, right. And um, uh, <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> Did you not know where that was going, did you? I, I, I didn't well, I shouldn't I, laugh. I, I, no, and, I, and, I, and I'm glad we are starting uh, talking about, and again, this wasn't part of the plan, but I'm glad we have started off by talking about uh, th- this, th- this kind of tragic uh, death, because um, what we're about to do for the next two hours is arguably kind of glorify um, um, these, um, well, not glorify the people, but glorify the characters that filmmakers have made them become. Um, and that is, of course, a, a very crucial distinction um, that we're obviously not at any kind of stage arguing that that Pat Tate, Tony Tucker, Craig Roth were pillars of the community no. um, in any way, shape or form. Um, but however, a, a whole genre of, of films and I will uh, I will quickly show for people that are watching rather than just listening. I'll quickly show, I mean, this is my uh, part of my collection of books and DVDs relating to in some capacity. Uh, either the Essex Boy murders or certainly kind of, you know, uh, British hooligans and so forth. And I think that's the fascinating thing with these three guys is they, uh, of course, transcended all the uh, issues of the time in that they uh, were, some of them, or or by connection, were somewhat involved in football hooliganism, um, involved in the supply of ecstasy, and of course, uh, uh, organizing of pub nights and and raves. And the combination of that, really, the only way they could really make themselves more zeitgeisty is if they started selling pirate videos of video nasties. Um, In that, (laughs) they were were part of this, I think it's what I find fascinating about the era, and I've been talking about this a lot recently to people, is that you know it is seems quite old-fashioned now the the 20 i mean of course i mean the video nasty craze as you know, most people agree now was utterly absurd the fact that you know uh people with video shop owners were being demonized and sent to jail uh for for, for renting out uh, legal copies or you know or certainly legally released in terms of copyright videos of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, movies that are now considered classics. Then, of course, it seems utterly ludicrous that, that you know, people were going to jail for organizing um, uh, raves, which are now, of course, are, are completely mainstream. And, um, and the, con- the idea that a group of, of males meeting in a field to beat shit out of each other being a problem when we now live in a world where where uh, terrorists of all uh, religious uh, denominations uh, w- w- uh, c- can be uh, a- a- 
kind of mowing cars into people uh, at tourist spots. Um, the idea that it would be considered a, a problem just for a group of consensual men to beat fuck out of each other. Uh, now it seems quite hilarious that those three things were the things that were kind of most demonized and they were supposed to be the kind of end of society as we know it when you and I were kids. Let's crack on then and talk about mm. one of the first films in the series, which is Rise of the Foot Soldier. Number yes. one. I want to tie it in because you mentioned about football hooliganism at the time. Mm, yeah. Now, this, this film opens and starts as if it was a football hooliganism movie. It's all about Carlton Leach, you've got the ICF, and it's hooking in that whole football factory audience yes. before it goes off on a complete tangent on, on, about on, on something a, completely different. It's a very, very strange movie in that respect. And... um. And I should point out before we start that, that uh, this is very quickly in brackets because we're not going to talk about this movie because it is not part of the canon. But my obsession <laughs> uh, with these three, uh, with these three dead drug dealers, um, was uh, uh, I mean cemented back then, as I say, twenty five years ago. But in the year two thousand, I was so desperate that when I heard there was a movie called Essex Boys with Sean Bean about what might have happened, which is a very weird way to sell a movie. This might have happened. We've made up a fictional tale. Um, Oddly, the, 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 the behavior of the characters in that, in that movie are very similar to the, the behavior of the characters uh, in all of the other movies, in that they, are, they treat women deplorably, like uh, taking lots of cocaine. Uh, actually, it was more bodybuilding in that than the other movies, uh, to be fair. But uh, I, I couldn't find anyone to go and see it with me. And when I say I couldn't find anyone, I didn't really know anyone because uh, I didn't have any friends because I spent all my time reading about dead drug dealers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, so I, um, I took the train for three hours into London to go to the only cinema this was showing. And it was, it was, it said Leicester Square, but it was that kind of fake Leicester Square, like the Haymarket. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, that, that, where, they, where, where you know you have to see a shit movie when it's, um, <laughs> actually it's where we had the premiere for Comedian's Guide to Survival, actually. Um, uh, but you know, and, and it was like, the, the, the screen wasn't much bigger than my laptop. Anyway, that's how obsessed I was from a very young age. So between that and then, there were, uh, I think, other movies about it. My chronological, but you're right. Rise of I the do Foot have a list here if you want them. You've got Essex Boys, that's the yeah. one with Sean Bean. Then you've got Rise of the Foot Soldier. Right, oh, so Foot Soldier was first. Okay, so we, yeah. are, so we are in order. So um, uh, you, you're absolutely right. Foot Soldier uh, it was promoted as, and definitely starts as, a movie for, as you rightly said, the Football Factory crowd. So the Football Factory, again, is a movie that I uh, I adore. I believe it is one of the, the greats. Here is my Football Factory DVD signed by Mr. D. Dyer. You of bastard. And, and uh, obviously, I am a big fan of the work of hooligans. This has been covered at uh, length before. And by the work of hooligans, I mean um, having a good time and not hurting anyone else that hasn't agreed to be hurt. However, that is, a, that is maybe a debatable point. Um, first soldier, I went to see this with a, a, a friend of mine, uh, Paul Wilson, who, who you've met. We went to see this and I was very excited because again, I, I love Football Factory. Here's another hooligan movie. It's uh, very down and dirty, isn't it? Yeah, because you've, you've um, got the opening where it, it kind of, it, it teases you in about, about it being about the ICF. Yeah. You've got the story of Carlton Leach. Yeah. And how he progresses from um, football to yeah. working on the doors. Yeah. With our three main protagonists. Yes, um, the debate as to whether these films glamorise hooliganism has, has, of course, been a been a you know 
been out there. Um, for, for, I mean, I would argue none of them do particularly unless you're into it, in which case, yes, you're going to be attracted by violence. As someone like myself who is scared of violence and scared of getting a paper cut, um, I wouldn't say they glamorized it. But th that sequence on the tube train Ugh. is insane. I mean, I mean, I remember seeing this and I'm watching it. And funny enough, I, I sat and made my wife watch that sequence a couple of weeks ago. And of course, Did you know, they're all wearing PPE. Are, are they? All the Millwall fans, yeah. They're literally wearing hospital like hats and hospital masks. Why? I don't know. Is <laughs> that a thing? Well, I don't know. It only came to my attention, obviously, because over here we haven't got any PPE. Yeah. We were joking. Right. That now we know where it all is. That's one thing the hooligans did wrong. They stole all the PPE. <laughs> the PPE. Um, but the, the, I mean, the, the interesting thing about the movie is that, A, yeah, very down and dirty, very gritty. It doesn't seem to be trying to glamorise it. No. Um, uh, the, the, the tube train sequence is, is horrifying. The odd thing is, I mean, obviously, again, it, it's odd how um, you're never sure with these movies if you're supposed to like these protagonists or not. I don't know. I mean, it, because we, I think you're kind of doing this because they're very clever. They switch from that hooliganism. It almost, almost becomes like human traffic for the next section because yes. it's all about clubbing. Yes. You've got these big club tunes, and that's when Ricky Harnick, you know, and it, he is and portrays a cunt. He looks like a cunt. He comes across as a cunt, and there's no... There's, I mean, he absolutely nails that role you're right. genuinely scared of him when he's when he's you know when he's talking what he's saying what he's about he's yes. so convincing but when he becomes involved in the in the whole club scene and he's talking about working on the doors and stuff you know i'll catch you nonsense in the toilets i'll stick a glass in your ass his mate's mm. talking about his club it's a den of cunts and, yes, and it, yes. cha it changes tone to this like almost comical comical yeah ravey yeah, well, drugs well, film yeah, when he takes the pill and he's like i'm not feeling anything i'm not feeling anything <laughs> yeah. like i love you right and, <laughs> yes. uh, and like, it, it, the, the thing in that scene is his mate's face tells you yeah, everything yeah it is and, and you know where it's going but yeah. it's still funny when it happens and um i mean i mean ricky harnett is a, 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 i mean incredibly good actor yeah um um, um, embodies that role perfectly. I don't understand why he isn't doing more and hasn't done more. I mean, I, I feel like that the performance in this is great. So it, it, it also shifts then into, so it's gone from like hooligans to drugs. It then goes into like, well, then there's the, like the- Well, then it goes into like the, the, the whole thing about the Turks. The Turks. And then it becomes it, a proper nasty gangster film. Yeah. Now that segment, clearly the Turkish bit could have completely been removed. You know, if the plan was to always go from hooliganism uh, into drugs, into Tucker Tate Roth, the Turkish bit serves no purpose other than to basically uh, convey the message that being a guard for drug dealers has clearly a lot of downsides, i.e. seemingly. And there's and also there's no resolution to it, which I guess is just based on the on the true story, which is that yeah. they, they never actually find out who did it. You expect during the torture scene that it's going to come out which one that one of them did it and then it ends with that very very depressing thing which i get again is i guess based on truth where uh his friend um having been tortured kills himself yep absolutely it's now, so dark it just takes that yes. massive turn into into the, the world of the gangsters becomes really really dark with the torture that, that's it the like, torture bit it's such then, a massive it's almost like watching a korean film where you have all these crazy tonal shifts totally and it and, works and, really well it does work well. And this is the odd thing that it's, um, 
and and that's a very good example. Korean films, like in, uh, definitely in other in other countries, they don't have a problem with these tonal shifts. Here, whenever that happens, critics will kind of complain that that it, it flits all over the place. It doesn't know what it wants to be, and it's like, why does it have to be one thing? I mean, I mean, I, I found it odd because at the beginning, I've read a couple of Carlton Leach's books, and again, you know, seemingly he's kind of uh, left left that path behind now trying to be a good guy who knows I don't, I don't know him personally seems like a good guy um but oddly in this movie which is about him and again they've gone to the effort of making a biopic of the guy so clearly he must have some uh, redeeming features um but uh, at some point in the film and i can't remember how far in it is they show us that our lead character has, has basically nailed someone to the floor which again i mean i'm not in the torture game but no I have to say that that seems quite extreme. Uh, you know, generally, I guess with these kind of movies, what you can do is you can make someone likable or relatable by them doing what they have to do within their world. But I would argue that nailing someone to a floor, not, not entirely necessary. But then we get the kind of the final tonal shift into comedy. Yes, <laughs> yes, Pat that's Tate, it. Tony... Ralph are, are, are effectively fucking idiots, violent idiots, but idiots nonetheless. And you've yeah. got things. My favourite line in the film is, is Pat Tate. He goes, "At to service the old woman, give her an oil change." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, so the, I mean, like... the, I mean the, the scene in the, I mean, the, the lines that are given to those guys to deliver are just magnificent. And, and I mean, I mean, there's there's so many. And of course, I mean, the incredibly varied uses of the C word. I think I think the, the phrase uh, shit cunt is used in all four movies. Yep. And again, I don't think I'd, I don't think I don't hear that phrase often. Uh, but um, there it is in the movie. It's um. well, just so you know, you do know that I while I was watching each mm. uh, rewatching each of the four films, I kept track of how many times they said cunt in each film. And we're going to have a little quiz That's later. In- you can have a guess. Mate, I it was a labour of love. That you don't get that beautiful. kind of forensic analysis from um, Mark Kermode. You do not. And that is why I always come to Paul Phil for everything I need to know. I was doing one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Absolutely <laughs> genius. And I... Uh, I, I salute you for that. And when you told me that that might be happening, I cannot deny being ridiculously excited. Can I, can I just say, there is one other like really weird thing that comes out of nowhere. You're in the middle of the comedy section, yeah. and then Roland Manukian, he, he, he mm. plays um, Craig Rolfe, he, he basically murders someone. Yes. yes gives which, him an which, overdose, drives him out to, and just dumps his body. Yes, That's which pretty is- dark. It's absolutely horrendous. It's a horrible sequence. It did happen, by the yes, way. Yes, that, 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 again, that, that, this yeah. afternoon I, I was watching Dispatches from 1996. Right, right. <laughs> right. I mean, this is what, how mental are we? <laughs> Worryingly, not only did they, somebody, I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if anyone's put any of this material online. Guess what? Of course they have, all of it. They even have the Crime Watch episode. Did, did you find the um, autopsy photos? Because I don't know if they're still out there. But... I don't. I'm not into what looked. No, 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 no. Neither that's am I. Your, but... You know. <laughs> no, I know. But um, Bernardo Mahoney's website seems to be down. But he had a website with chat rooms in it that was. I mean, again, I don't. I, I haven't been on there for a few years, so I don't know when it went down. But all I know is that basically during my 14 years at GQ, I spent eight hours a day in the chat rooms on his website, just full of people's theories. It's like, nah, mate, Noi done it. Noi done, done it. Yeah. But in there was the auto auto pictures um but yeah you're right it is all online and yes they did do that i actually didn't realize it was just 
I can't remember if it was just Rolf in real life or if it was all. Well, in the in the in the kind of recreations and and the dispatches episode, they implicated all of them. But in right. the film, and it's just Rolf. It's just him, and it clearly pegs them for what they are, which was uh, complete monsters. Which, of course, as we're going to get to, they are not quite so monstrously depicted in the later films. Um, no. But, um, well, let's go. Should we go? Should we move on to yeah. number two? Right. Yeah. Me, so number me, two. Let me fling so, my page of it. Now, now, what I find fascinating about all these movies is the shifts in um, actors moving around and um, one person directing. So the second one is, of course, uh, uh, written and directed by Ricky Harnett himself, yeah. produced by our good friend Jonathan Sothcott, right. uh, also produced by Carlton Leach, which, uh, again, seems odd because this is a film... Um, uh, not not an overly flattering depiction. Um, I think but- for this film, there was some, from what I've read, there was some legal issues. I think they tried to put it out as something slightly different, but the, the Foot Soldier franchise claimed copyright. Is that what happened? Right. Uh, you know what? I actually, I, I can't recall, but I do remember now, um, actually, that Reign of the General was ah. uh, was actually possibly the original title. And again, I also don't want to, I can't even remember anything I was told back then. But, um, but yes, maybe that's maybe that's the case that they came in and, and of course there's Stephen Burkoff in it. Um, uh, but Ricky Hart, oh, Andrew Loveday uh, is the producer who, um, of course, appears in uh, later films, uh, three and four, and also directed for. Uh, for such a fall. So it's just interesting, this kind of, I mean, at some point, if this pandemic continues, this war will become a family tree of all the different uh, people moving around. I mean, for example, I guess another, the most obvious one is um, that uh, Kirsten Waring plays Pat Tate's wife in uh, Rise of the Foot Soldier and Bonded by Blood. So it's the same. Oh, we, I was going to have a little little um, section on the, the the poor women in this franchise later. Yes, <laughs> it won't uh, yeah. take long. Yeah, I mean it's it, it is awful, and I would say it's it, it's if I have one complaint, and and maybe it's the right thing that they do, which is put these horrible scenes in where these extended scenes where these guys who have been somewhat built up to have some redeeming qualities suddenly beat their wives call them the c-word because the wives had the audacity to do something like offer them a blowjob um and uh, uh, and uh, and these these sequences are very disturbing and i kind of watch these and think well why is this here is this purian is it is it here um because it, i mean horrifically are these scenes in there because they want because the, the the fan base of these films want to see them or is it actually just to remind us Stop admiring these guys. They're actually yeah. I think it is because um, no, they, would, they wouldn't have violence against women in there for any other reason than as a as a you know as, as a, a, an occasional prod as to who they are. Yeah. Um. So this again is a whole different uh, kettle of fish because of course um, Tucker Tate Roth are only in it as flashbacks. Um. Yeah. Another interesting staple of these of these films is the character who can get over the death of anyone at the drop of a hat, but if it suits the narrative can't get over the murder of this person. So, yeah. right, so a perfect example, I mean, the best example of this is uh, Kid Alter to Brotherhood, when um, Sam in Brotherhood is, of course, targeted by this guy who is willing to die for his nephew and, want, and, and, just, and just goes after Sam for this whole movie, wants, willing to die for him, at the end wants to die because he loves his nephew. But, but in the first movie, when his nephew died, I mean, he was giving the kid heroin, he was giving him a gun, telling him to go out and do... Like, um, similarly with this, Carlton Leach he, cannot get over the death yeah. of his buddy, Tony Tucker. Um, he cannot get over last, it. 
Now, he barely knew the guy five minutes. No. And in the previous movie, his best mate killed himself having been tortured by Turkish drug dealers. And five seconds later, he's forgotten. So, yeah. um, but again, that's just a, a, a sweet staple of these movies. Well, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a classic one, this, isn't it? It's the spiral into misery, the falling yeah. apart and the redemption. This is kind of um, soundtrack by him hoovering up mountains and mountains of, uh, of Chang. Mountains. You know, mountains. The soundtrack as well in this, I notice it switches from the kind of rave stuff into a much more drum and bass. Yes, lots of drum and bass. Terry Turbo. That's more of Yes. Right, it is. And Did he do the music? I was just looking to see. Actually, no. I mean, so clearly none of them were involved. And again, who knows why? It would be interesting. Well, Sothcott had an idea for me the other day, which I think this is possibly the start of this. If two idiots can write a book about the films of Danny Dyer, another two idiots <laughs> can write a book about the Essex Boy movies, because there is a demand for it. I mean, I know there's a demand because um, I have another thousand books over there of uh, books written by... 10 books by Freddie Foreman, 10 books by Eddie Richardson. Um, and they fill uh, bookstores in England because idiots like me buy them. Um, uh, where's the foot sort of what, uh, two, what is interesting about it is uh, what went on behind the scenes, who knows? It's a solid movie. Ricky yep. Hunnett, who has presumably not directed a Beastie movie before. Um, it looks great. It sounds great. Um, the, the cinematography, you know, what's weird about these movies is they're, of course, I guess, produced on a comparatively what they would call low budget. However, none of them look like truly low budget. It's not like more bandy, but this is more like, uh, this is more of a kitchen sink drama almost. With, a, with, with sporadic violence, you know, there's a bit where he gets his creme brulee burner out on a nonce's knackers. I mean, yes, know. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's dark. It also brings in one of the Carlton Leach books that I read that I enjoyed was very, was about his, uh, you know, a, a son coming out of the woodwork and all the rest of it. And all this kind of stuff is brought in there. The nature of fatherhood. There was a... Um, a very negative, uh, unsurprisingly negative review in The Guardian for Rise of the Foot Soldier 2. I'm shocked, James. Um, I know, hard to believe. Uh, uh, however, the comments underneath I found fascinating because they are, and it's not it's not people going, oi, you slag, you nonce, you know, don't diss my... Um, someone's actually commented, they're surprised by this review. Having seen the film, I think it takes the Essex gangster genre in a new direction. Uh, director Harnett avoids all the tired faces that crop up in all these films. So, And, and one of the things The Guardian critic said was that um, it was full of ropey performances and so this is commented per, uh, person has said um who gave these ropey performances? Was it Luke Mabley, who acted everyone off the stage in the West End production of Festin, and here plays torture as Sean with deadpan control? And he is magnificent. And when, when actually Southcott showed me an early cut of this, uh, before it came out, and that was the thing that stood out to me, was that guy just elevates this. And, and, um, and Jasper Britton, the uh, Royal Shakespeare Company star, who gives his ganglang boss a subtle touch of theatricality far more disturbing than the usual gurning we're used to seeing. Uh, this genre might not be um, to everyone's taste, but surely give this one deserves credit for coming up with something that doesn't insult the audience's intelligence. And this is the thing, and you and I have, have, have talked to death about this before, but, but it's just the British crime film cannot get a fair shot by critics, no, no matter what they do. Um, and when one of the big questions that always gets asked in every single Guardian review, every single time a new one of these comes out, a new movie comes out, every single time, it says the same thing. It says, it says who's buying, who is this for? 
who's who, who, who are they making this for? And it's like, well, A, millions of people, because they make money. B, us. So answer to your question, Guardian, it's us. Now, is it to everyone's taste? No. But I mean, neither, you know, four-hour documentaries uh, uh, on paint drying are not to my taste, but, but Peter Bradshaw loves them. But I'm not asking who it's for, because I know who it's for, Bradshaw. No, I mean, this is a really well-made film. It's, mm. It is very dark. It is almost quite serious in a way. Mm. I think one of the issues it suffered from was that, again, the, the tonal shift, people expecting to maybe see the three idiots again larking about, mm. and mm. they haven't. They've got this kind of heart-on-your-sleeve story. Mm. Ricky Hartnett's acting his heart out, bless him, and he's, doing, he's done a great job. Yeah. But I don't think it quite met people's expectations. If this had been a standalone film with mm. those performances, I think it would have done even better. Uh, I, I agree. Because yeah. people came into this with expectations and baggage from the first one. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, and it's it's weird because you've got this you've got this uh, four part series, and I actually just discovered today, and I'm sure we'll get to this later, but that the fifth Foot Soldier movie is actually going to be a reboot. Right. And, right. And I'm guessing they, when they say a reboot, they're going to be rebooting it, but with the <laughs> same actors. <laughs> Really, there's no way. Has anyone done that before? I, I, I don't know. I don't know how you can call it a reboot. <laughs> I'm so how, the only way I can take this is that they are going to retell the story of Tucker Tate Roth, but maybe with the newly found comedic tone. Well, let's address that. Let's go on. I'm going to turn my page over. Oh, I had one more thing to say about... Okay, um, yeah, of course. Foot Soldier 2... Again, I mean, one of the comments that people always comment on these things whenever there's a, a new British gangster film and they've got, like, it's full of great actors, but someone would always comment something like, what, no Danny Dyer? And this one says, what, no Frank Harper? Are you mugging me off? And it's like, well, it, why is it? What's, uh, it, it, like, Christopher Nolan has, uses all the same actors, right? And Michael Caine says it's great because it's, it's like Nolan has his own little uh, rep company, right? Now, why can't, the, why is it that, again, why is it that, it, for, for, for posh, eaten-educated actors all doing the same. I mean, the, the fucking Marvel Avengers franchise, the same actors playing the same characters over and over again in basically identical movies. Well, I'm sorry, take your fucking Avengers Assemble, because there's only one Avengers Assemble for me, and it is fucking Foot Soldier 3. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's, um, I mean, oh, actually, I will say this. Uh, Go on. Oh yeah, so Empire gave uh, Foot Soldier two um, a two part a two star review, and actually said that um, that that, it, that Hartnett shows some promise as a director. Stephen Burkoff, uh, Mikago sing, singing villain, prove he's not scared of being doing the left field. Um, but part two, setting itself up for Godfather style part three, takes itself far too seriously, and it's for diehard fans only. And it's interesting that Empire back then. We're already acknowledging in 2015 that there, there are fans of hooligan genre movies. But I found it interesting that they say setting itself up for Godfather uh, Part 3. And yet, I don't think any of us could have in a million years predicted this. Because it's just fucking brilliant. <laughs> it's absolutely... It's just... Let's rewind this right. So Rise of the Foot Soldier yeah. is colon the Pat Tate story. 
the Pat Hayes story. So let's just start with that. So first of all, I want to hear about your first time uh, watching it. But I was going to start with the obvious factor, which it has been pointed out, and it's not clever or interesting, and it doesn't matter one iota. But the fact is, is that a decade after playing um, some murdered drug dealers, um, they are playing those same murder drug dealers 10 years prior to that. Yep. And um, let's just say they don't look 10 years younger. <laughs> and, and never is it more apparent than in the scenes when they flash back to... Yeah. Um, to uh, and and when it's a, him, like, and they've been very careful not to show much of them. because they, Absolutely. But, um, um, but the important thing is it doesn't matter. So when you first saw this, uh, what did you think? And how did how did that? It just I've got the, the 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 thing that sums this film up. The thing that's burnt into my mind is one prostitute, two prostitutes, prostitute. three, prostitutes, three prostitutes, prostitutes, four prostitutes, five prostitutes. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do five prostitutes, Pat. I'm not talking about me. You can't. What I'm gonna do? I'm yes, ta- now take a pill and get lively. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that scene, I read um, um, Craig Fairbrass do a. Um, a tweet about this, that that scene, I mean, as is often the case, I'm sure with filmmaking, they were running out of light and him and Joss Myers, who plays, um, what is Joss Myers' character's name? Um, uh, uh, it, it's interesting because he, um, I don't know if he's based on anyone real or if he has just added uh, for convenience. Um, his name is, so Jimmy J is a real person and he pops up in certainly the first, second and obviously the third film. Uh, the, uh, first, the first, third, and fourth. Um, but Josh Myers' character, I'm not sure if he's actually uh, based on someone real. Anyway, that scene was kind of bashed out. And it's, it's just brilliant. And the first 25 minutes of the movie, if not the whole movie, is just full of insanely quotable lines. Uh, they are delivered by, by uh, Craig uh, Terry and, um, and what's the name of the guy that plays uh, Craig Roth? Oh, oh, oh Ro- Roland. Roland, Roland such, um, Roland, yeah. Um, so that with such flourish that they, they know how great this script is. I don't know how much was improvised, but you're right, that, that, that line, that scene, I remember when it started and I'm kind of like, right, okay, so this is, I like the Foot Soldier movies. I like the business. Yep. So this is going to be a kind of interesting kind of combo of that. And in some ways it does play with well, yeah, that. Like, they, it, yeah, because it heads, it starts out in Marbella. That's Emma Bear. And it's interesting that the fourth one is, of course, called by the Foot Soldier Marbella, when the third one also could be called Foot Soldier Marbella because it's. Because um, it's I all about a drug them... deal that goes tits, basically. Well, you're exactly. to the, yeah, that's, that's the main thrust of it. You, got, you well, start in Marbella, they're back to South he... End, then they're back to Marbella, then Gibraltar, then he's, he, he does it. They're really clever. Do you know what? I think it's only like 90 minutes or just or, or not much longer than that. But they pack so much into it. It, makes, it blows my mind. So much in. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and of course, the Marbella thing, Pat going to Marbella is referenced in the first Foot Soldier as well. Oh, so not Marbella. Um, him going to Gibraltar and being um, arrested there. But um, I remember I, I was back in England uh, again. I mean, as you know, I mean, part of what I love so much about all of these, all of these movies, and all of this, all, all of this, you know, British crime stuff, and all, all, all these movies, is is it's my kind of taste of home. Like while I'm here in Canada, you know, I, I, I there's not much I miss about England. I miss, um, I, uh, you know, I miss friends like your good self, but I don't um, miss much else. But this is my taste of this is my taste of home. So when I was back in England for Christmas, the year that this came out, 2017, and it was, I believe came out on Boxing Day. During that Christmas period, 
Every single house I went to that I stayed at, I, t I took as a thank you gift for the host, a bottle of wine, a copy of Foot Soldier, um, even for people that I knew would hate it and pretty much made it. So in that first week alone, I watched it about 10 times. It's should we, just, a, we just give a, the listeners a little overview. So it's basically they're, they're trying to buy a load of pills in Spain to bring back to South End. They end oh, up. That's Yes, exactly. Which is odd because I saw I was about to uh, correct you there, but oddly, that's the exact same plot of four. Um, yeah. Which uh, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, because it is. um, I, I was saying that the plot, the, the trailer for the fourth one is brilliant because it's literally like uh, it's like Essex has run out of pills. We yeah. gotta go to my and it's like as if Essex has run out of pills, and they say they've run out of pills, but then a minute later, um, uh, Tony Tucker spikes Pat Tate with a pill. So uh, anyway, but you won't. Know, they go to they go they go to my bed school pills. You're right. Um, yep. The, the, and, the local bigwig he, he tries to iron Pat out. His mates have that amazing fight scene in the hotel corridor. Yes. Um, that is which, which is just brutal. Uh, fire extinguisher in the head. Absolutely. And the fire extinguisher. Um, you know that that line. This is how we do things in Essex. Um, it's it's. I mean, I, I, again, I think what I mean the change of pace and the change of tone into this kind of slightly comedic and clearly, you know, I mean, how many shots do you need to see of men hoovering up lines of coke? Well, frankly, all of them because um, in this, it's just it's just nonstop. It's relentless, um, and in this context, I do find it funny. Um, I, I, you know, again, people say how many, how many times you need to see that same thing over and over again. It's like, well, how many times do you need to see Kate Hudson kiss someone in a rom com? I mean, you know, it, this is what the genre is. Um, in the first ten minutes, I mean, I think are the are the best first ten minutes of any movie. In that, like, causing egg dealt with lively. That's yeah. what it's all about, right? Um, and then there's the, then there's there's the weird bit of humour when 10 minutes in, they go to that house and there's those two gay guys in there, right? Yeah. And this is the f first <laughs> real, real shift in tone, which um, is somewhat, you know, it, it's a somewhat dated homophobic joke. Yep. However, the Pat Tate and, and uh, Tony Tucker that we've been no grown to know in these other movies would have probably done uh, an even more deplorable thing and possibly, uh, uh, um, indulged in a homophobic attack on these guys. Instead, once they realize they're gay, it's more of a kind of a 1970s, oh no, no, sorry, no, 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 we don't, you know, and then the gay guys say, well, you might want to stick around yep. in a very kind of uh, 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 camp there, voice. There uh, is uh, this uh, very uh, deliberate, almost kind of redefining of their characters from utter, utter bastards yes. into kind of lovable comedy characters. And yes. they transition them over the course of those two films. By the time you're into the third act of number four, you're literally yeah. just rolling around laughing. It's a full-on comedy movie, yeah. especially uh, Tucker and Rolf um, in a camper van. It is, it is carry-on foot soldier. Yeah. And, and frankly, it is all the best for it. Um, what I love so much about Foot Soldier 3 is it's one of the most watchable films I've ever, I, I've seen it so many times. You are right that they pack a lot in, but... Yep. It's very, I've watched it now probably 30 or 40 times. I couldn't, I mean, you did a very good job just then. I'm surprised this, I couldn't really tell you what it's about. Um, another line that I found absolutely hilarious was, uh, you do not sell drugs in this club because we fucking do. But <laughs> 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 that's hilarious, right? That, I, I, think... love, I also love this, there's a bit when he, um, I think it's the same scene. He beats the shit out of someone. Tate beats the shit out of someone. And then he turns to his group and he's like, right, take his money, take his drugs, beat the fuck out of him, and I'll see you at the bar, booze. 
right? And I just love, I just love the removal of letters there because it's the kind of thing that you and I would do. But like, I'll see you at the bar, booze. Right? Yeah. It's not, I'll see you at the bar for some booze or let's have a booze up. It's I'll see you at the bar, booze. <laughs> I just love that. And 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 I, I, one thing I've actually not touched upon yet is just that. Um, and if case it isn't already obvious, Fairbrass his performance is magnetic i mean and i and i don't mean this in a like this is it's good for a british film like i think he embodies this character in the same way that robert de niro embodies jimmy the gent in goodfellas yep uh, it's just phenomenal i mean th- th- there are there's some brilliant set pieces the big fight with the pikeys the whole yes. prison scene with sean Ryder. Fucking That's so insane. violent. So insane. Violent. Yeah. I mean, the crucifixion, I mean, the stuff about his missus having an affair. All this is packed in and it ends into such a like short runtime, it's incredible. I, I, I could not agree more. I mean, again, there's yeah, there's the gypsy, there's Jimmy J, there's Harris. Uh, Craig Ralph's hair uh, changes <laughs> changes uh, lengths all the time, which is, is um, the, the, the plotting makes no sense. Um, it starts in my bed, goes back to it. Um, it flits all over the place. Uh, each scene is like a scene from a different movie. Of course, uh, Jamie Foreman, son of uh, Freddie Foreman, oh, in it. Um, love but, Jamie Foreman, and he's really com- good in it. Yeah, he is. I mean, the combination of it, it it's kind of like when you're a kid and it's your birthday party and someone puts out like uh, there's like a big like meat feast pizza and then someone throws like, ice cream on it and hundreds of thousands and then and then they throw all this stuff on it and candy and and, and crisps and, and and you go oh my god that looks disgusting and it, too much going on and you bite into it and you go that's the tastiest fucking thing i've ever had that is foot soldier three to quote you back from something you said about it is the jive bunny mega mix of hooli porn that, that's exactly it. That is it. That, that's exactly it. It's all, of basically, your, all of your the best yeah, bits of all of your favourite. That's exactly it. Like you can tell, like there's the ones that are in some way connected, in some ways to hooligans, <laughs> yeah. right? But then I can take you over to this. This is um, this is just this is my gangster book collection. That's that's God. that's that's branching out into into <laughs> yeah. train great train robberies and and northern uh, drug dealers uh, and Scottish uh, drug dealers. Again, less interested in them. I'm not so much not so much interesting unless they're from Essex and then over here it's just other gangster movies and then of course other gangster know, movies other gangster movies and then of course when you sit here which is in my use this is where I sit to watch the movies I just sit here and then this is all the trauma videos right next to me and I've got I have I have classy movies don't get me wrong I mean I've got I've got I've got three on a meat hook right right yeah, you can see that I've got oh lovely yes I've got <laughs> I've got, uh, I've got torso. Right, I've got torso. I've got six, seven different versions of I Spit on Your Grave. But ultimately, right, see, my, what I'm trying to illustrate is that I've got the classics, right? I've got James. I, know I can Focus. play games like I, I can play games like Shark Attack. Shark the Attack. Point, I'm going to focus. The point is this. But I, I've been so excited about doing this this specific <laughs> podcast. Because... It's only because I'm looking at the runtime. Uh, Larry Lamb is, of course, in it. I don't know why Larry Lamb doesn't come back. And we're going to talk about the Larry Lamb almost, well, yes. the almost in the in the fourth one. Sean Ryder is is exceptionally good in this. And on the extras on this, there is a wonderful scene where they talk about Sean Ryder coming to the set and how it was very nerve wracking for him because not being an actor and being obviously that surrounded with extras. But he knows this scene. His death again. Why does? And again, I mean. These special effects. Why does he need to be bottled 50 times by a light fitting and then have his back broken on a bench? But why not? Because when you're throwing that much stuff at a movie, and uh, who's the director? Zachary Adler. The screenplay is by Michael Loveday. Um, 
who maybe is possibly a brother of Andrew Loveday. Mate, I think people who listened to this podcast gave up years ago worrying about us reading out the name of the director. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. <laughs> you don't want to know how many times they said cunt. Yeah, they do. And, we, and, and that's right. We need to get, we need, we need to, get to that. No, but, no, no. Um, we're going we're but... to touch upon Rise of the Fox Archer 4. But, yes, we are. But how did... And, 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 Go on. I'm mortified because I don't have... And I, if anyone's watching this, from Signature Entertainment, who in, in, also, by the way, released uh, Comedian's Guide to Survivor, I don't have the DVD of Foot Soldier 4 because it didn't come out. It was on demand when I was uh, over in England over Christmas, which meant that every single house I turned up at, I had to turn up with a bottle of wine and then pay 10 bucks for fucking pay-per-view on everyone, in everyone's house. So I spent about 200 bucks on Foot Soldier 4 and Amazon UK won't send it to me. Th 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 I don't know why. There's certain rights issues with certain things. This I was able to get, which again, I mean, you were bang on. I'm glad you told me it was kitchen sink and not... Um, yeah, not, it's not what not, you're thinking, is it? Right. No, James, it's amazing. Focus. So foot, so, foot soldier, foot soldier back four. Back in so, Marbella. Back in Marbella. Well, you think he's going to iron out Larry Lamb, and uh, he doesn't because he, I love the way that they still made the, made the effort for him to go to the location where he was, and he's not there. And he's <laughs> what, not there. What's the point? They could have just announced scene, he was dead. Yes. Like, what a waste of everyone's time, money, and resources. Utterly insane, and the the scene itself isn't great either. No, it's like, not like, funny either, is it? It, it? It's not very funny. I mean, literally, like mistaken identities can be funny, but mistaken yeah. identity's got to be like like okay, Fairbrass climbs into bed and thinks he's going to fuck the bird, but accidentally puts his dick in Larry Lamb. That's a funny mistaken identity. But but this, it's literally walking in there, and and again, the Fairbrass. Uh, uh, sorry, the, the, the I can't tell the difference between the, the characters and the actors. Um, Hey, it's Frank Harris um, that Larry, Larry Lamb plays. Right. Um, uh, Pat Tate would not just apologise and walk away. No, be, um, that's what's weird you know, about it. That yeah, continu uh, that's the continuation of that gen gentle sort of softening of their characters, though. It, it, it is, it is. So you basically, in the, in the third one, you've got them, yeah, being, being again, uh, it's slightly kind of Neanderthal homophobic, but not being violent towards these guys for being gay and being apologetic. And again, here we are again. He's apologizing for getting there. I mean, you would generally do a bit of research to find out if someone actually lived somewhere before turning off. But also, the other thing is, I don't know about you, I'd forgotten about Larry Lamb as, Lamb as a character, so I didn't need him to be referenced as being uh, moved out. Anyway, uh, Four. So when I saw Four, the first, and I don't have the Blu-ray, and I hope someone's going to send it to me. When I watched it the first five times over Christmas, I have to say, I wasn't, I wasn't in love with it um, because the trailer was so amazing. The third one is so good. The third one, as I say, just the beginning, just bang, bang, bang. The fourth one starts oddly slow. I think some of the plotting at the beginning is a bit off, given what we're expecting from a foot soldier movie i feel like it starts a tiny bit slow but um when when uh pate bangs through those club doors and walks into the club and rolf and tucker out the back torturing that guy that door opening when when fairbrass bangs that door open and you see him there and the lights and everything a beautiful piece of filmmaking and i get uh, goosebumps and spine and i just get this excited i'm like yes like pat tate's in the house which again Again, I mean, going back to the reality. Well, that's where he of... spikes him, isn't it? Because, because, um, yes, he says to Pat Tate, "You're the only person who takes an E and still wants to kill people." Still wants to kill people, yeah. And again, it's one of those things where 
one minute he's worried about the lack of drugs. Then he, now it's like, and understandably, if that guy's got him sent down, he's going to want to kill him. It's all over the place, of course. Um, yeah, of course. The, the uh, Tucker and Rolf road trip is hilarious and brilliant. I mean, that's, that, that's the best thing about that film. Them two dicking yeah, about. I could it. watch yes, just I them. I could, you I you could give me 90 minutes of those two yeah. pratting about. I, I, I could not agree more. I could watch. I mean, and, and the combination of the three of them, where like Pat Tate, they're like the two stooges. Mm-hmm. And then you've got him who's also funny in his own right, yeah. but but never anything other than angry and, and just wanting to wank or do blow. And so anyway, I, I guess I didn't like it the first time I watched it, but um, then I watched it sober and uh, absolutely loved it. And I've watched it three or four times sober since. And it's... Um, it's a blinder. Essex has run out of pills. What a brilliant plot line. Of course, I mean, the twist at the ending. Well, again, there's, there's a couple of uh, things that don't sit right. One is, and this is just me nitpicking. Go on. Um, but um, when um, Rolf and Tucker are in Amsterdam, they uh, insult those two Essex birds by asking if they're brasses. Yeah. And then they'll spot the money. Yeah, you and they, think, do, they do a big visual tell a on it A big visual well. tell on it, right? She points at it, right? Now... We're led to believe that, that the girls then are going to steal the money, of course, which would kind of make sense. And maybe at some point in the script they were going to, who knows, if they went to introduce that other character later. But it seems very odd that these girls then decide to just party with them and then shag them and then don't try and steal the money. No, they could have just taken that, because literally taking that tell out, it's literally the camera panning to the money would have taken, what, two seconds? And, yeah. that, and that removed that completely, because I was yeah, saying, because it isn't yeah. nicked by them, it's nicked by someone else in a little while, and we, they show you we, him counting it. Yeah, that's it. Like it, <laughs> it, it. It's such a weird thing. And maybe they're trying to give us a reason as to why those two birds would want to shag these two geezers, but then they don't need I to I like do the that, way we've descended into calling women birds already. I know, I know, I know. I never do this, Miss, because I know, I know. And I apologise to, to anyone listening that didn't know this side of me, that I'm obsessed with these with three dead drug do, dealers. Do, do, to this degree of feminism, calling women birds. Birds, birds. birds. Um, so that's one that doesn't, doesn't, doesn't sit well. I mean, um, Jay, to be honest with you, the whole thing, him telling those two idiots to bring 20 large over to, so he can buy some pills where he knows he's already going to rob him anyway, but the other guy's going to rob him as well. I know. Again, it's just a mishmash, but do you know what? It yeah. just about hangs together, and I was I was loving it. And then Nick Naverne turns up, and you're like, yes! Yes, and he is directing the reboot. Ah. Yes, he's directing And again, he gets, he knows the genre inside out. Again, yep. I mean... He has been in uh, lots of the great ones. He, he's, he's even shared a scene in Vendetta with uh, one of the finest actors ever to come out of Surrey boarding oh, school. Oh, God. I know. <laughs> and, um, but, but he knows the genre, A, from being in tons of them. Wait, can, can we get I, to be extras on this one, James? Yes, I, 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 that's a very good point. He, 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 this, is one, this, this is again one of, one of soft cots, which is which is one I, I, I thoroughly enjoy. Um, Nick Laverne, a hooligan first, cop second. Um, but he, of course, also directed, which I'm sure you're obviously well aware of. The, uh, Do you oh know? God, I think GBH is the only soft cot film I don't have. It's a good one. It came out. After, oh, I've got that. Uh, right, <laughs> I can yes. see what's coming so, in. I love yes. those. Well, yes. of course, so, he knows the genre. If you know the genre well enough to kind of pastiche it and take the Mickey out of it. You can yes. do, do it justice when you're doing it for real. And, and interestingly, this uh, this movie, the genius of it is it functions 
as a hooligan movie yeah. and a spoof and that is the definition of that's a very difficult thing to do yeah, for sure uh, with a with a um i just don't know why this was tucked between the things it's a picture of my youngest son uh yeah, reading, reading a book about the craze reading, reading about yeah not just so, uh, so nick if you're listening can me can me and james come and be preferably if you're doing a scene in marbella yeah yeah please do. <laughs> um i mean literally talk about a dream well to be honest to be honest i, I believe the way the film is funded you know how there's certain scenes when they go into a club but for oh, example, okay so if we chuck them a few quid we can stand at the bar you can pay so basically yeah, the, the, towards the beginning when they're in the club and he's like there's no gear in here we've run out of pills and then there's a shot of, of a very a very long shot of a guy like doing a bit of yeah. um, of cocaine and you think well, why have they shown that it's not necessary uh we've been told there isn't any um but it's there because they do this part of the way it's financed is people pay Crowd, they crowdfunded it yeah crowdfunded, I yeah it. and which is why at the end the list of supporting artists in the credits are all named because i guess they paid but i mean you know what there's i don't buy other than dvds and books my wife buys all kinds of other things i don't really buy anything other than wine and sound equipment for my computer i mean i don't i think i should i should be allowed to spend some of my hard-earned money on us being extras in foot soul to the reboot <laughs> um, uh, um I, I mean there's I mean, there's literally nothing else in life that i really want to do but to be in one of these movies <laughs> okay so so the end the end of course another ridiculous contrivance but also yes. Slightly funny, like, oh my God, Josh's character uh, says, um, Pat, the pills are bad, uh, you gotta get rid of them. Now, of course, the movie is structured now in a way that we're kind of on the side, like, oh no. Now don't forget, they've also stolen a, a, a shed load of cash from Nick Laverne's uh, safe. So it's not like the pills were, the, were, were everything. It wasn't a heist movie. It's kind of, it's kind of like an Italian job ending, except yeah. the goal is somewhere else. And it's just a bit, a few <laughs> ecstasy pills. That would be a good Ita Italian job with just a bag of pills at the end of the, anyway, he's on the beach. He thinks the pills are bad. Uh, and he says, you know, oh my God, we've got to get rid of them because I was going to get done for murder. This is all ties into Leia Betts, so even though they don't, yeah, they don't yeah, name it, her. It does, it, it very distastefully, uh, uh, joke if that and you're right it's impossible Mate, we opened not... with a layer bets joke sorry no 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 we did but what i mean is it's, it's quite distasteful script writing uh, because uh, this is the end this is the, this is the fourth part of a franchise that has kind of made heroes of these four deplorable people it seems slightly wrong to reference it and that's what i thought but maybe they're not referencing it they're but, not referencing it directly but but if but you, you know you know you, yeah yeah and when you're watching it you can't help think about it What's absurd about it is the Pat Tate, who we've just watched fucking glassing people and slicing and dicing for the last two hours, doesn't seem that fussed about being a murderer <laughs> no. right? or being caught for being one. I also don't think that he'd be the kind of person to be saying, let's flush the pills. He'd be the one going, fuck it. Also, they, they, would, they would hide them and come back to them, wouldn't they? There's no way they'd exactly. be throwing them in the yeah, they'd be, they'd be bit... them. It's a comedic ending to, uh, to a, a brilliant film. Can we, and, um, very quickly, I just want to touch upon, and this covers like, all of the genres, the, mm. the, the women in this. We said we'd come back yeah, to it. Yeah. Of the female characters in it, it's only really in three and then more in four that any of them have any lifting to do. And that's yeah. um, uh, Emily Wyatt, who plays Charlotte in three and four. Um, yes. 
Very good. She gets, she gets, yeah, she gets some great lines. And have you noticed they get her to say cunt quite a lot? Yes, a lot. And 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 she's real. She's really good. Uh, the character is also uh, quite believable. Yep. I love. Uh, I love. Uh, I love the bit when she's sat there. She's doing like she's doing like lines, and then he comes out and he goes, "What are you doing? It's fucking." This is one well, funny thing about. Yeah, it's like eleven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like nine in the morning, and she goes, "You're boring me." <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. It's um, almost like funny? the female Pat Tate. Isn't she? Yeah, very much, very much so. She's on now, the chat the whole time. The whole time. The bit towards the end when she, when they, uh, I mean, again, it feels the bit when they obviously rip her off um, feels slightly mean spirited and even more yeah. so when Ralph opens the door and says, Come on, I know. I mean, <laughs> and you knew I know. he is such a cunt, isn't he? I know, he's such an evil bastard, uh, which we knew because he obviously murdered someone in the first uh, movie. However, the one thing that has to be said is, uh, and then, um, uh, Carlton's wife in one and two again great uh, uh, she actually has some things to do she's a great yep. actress Kirsten Waring of course plays um, Tate's wife both when Tate is played by Fairbrice and when it's played by Thomas San and in both times but they just spend a lot of time on the back foot whereas yes whereas yes, Emily yes, White is the only one who ever gets to spend any time on the front foot that's true, and and um, thankfully, these I guess uh, part of the, the the shift into these films being enjoyable is there isn't an, an unnecessary violence against women in them. No, which not in, anymore, in the other is ones, no. And it, and again, I mean, I remember when the first one came out. One of the things that horrified me in the in the Sean Bean one was again the treatment of Alex Kingston in that. Unf- I mean, that is obviously the reality of how these how these people do, uh, did and do behave. But they are, I mean, they're blokey movies, uh, and ultimately, no one comes off well. Uh, out of them, but they are rollicking good fun. What we're going to do now is we're going to rank them. Wow. Okay. okay. So, Actually, this can, being fourth is not a it's not a badge of dishonour. It's just no. you know somebody's got to come. So that's yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I just want to emphasize that uh, because um, and what you don't know yet, Paul, is that this is not another episode of uh, Underground Knights. It is, but it's part of the Underground Knights franchise of our new series. On the Fitzroy uh, Rivers, because <laughs> what we're going to start doing now, now, uh, and, if, and if anyone is still listening, uh, stay tuned because each and every episode we are going to interview one or two different actors or uh, producers or people behind these movies because this is the beginning of uh, Underground Essex, uh, the franchise. Anyway, so uh, you go first. So at number four, mm. I've got number two. Why is the Fitzroy two? Unfortunately. Uh, and again, we've we've and, and this is what I wanted to say as a disclaimer to anyone listening, especially because we're going to be asking people involved in these films to come on this podcast. We've just talked for an hour and a half about how much we love all four movies. Oh, yeah. So no, this this is, yeah there's no so shame here. No, no. It's and just also, a bit of fun. And also what we're also going with uh, is we're also talking about favourites, i.e. what do we want to watch over and over again? Correct. Right, right. And um, and I'm with you. Uh, two is, I mean, unfortunately, is the grittiest. It's one of the best made. The performances, it probably has some, probably the best acting. However, it's the one I watch the least. So yeah. unfortunately, it has to be fourth. Well, this is going to shock you because next, at three, is number three. That's oh. right, me. Tell me, tell me, t- tell me more. Just well, it is a lot of fun, right? Mm. Don't, 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 don't take that away from me. No, but I just think the others have a little bit more. I enjoyed them more as a as a spectacle. Okay, I'm going to be interested to hear why. One, uh, because I mean, again, one falls into the similar. Can- you, you, I mean, you're well, not wait, wrong. Wait, you, you, tell me what, what's your what's your number three? 
I'm tossing them up right now. But I, Nobody wants, I, you, I, wants you tossing on the internet. Unfortunately, and I, th- I think I think it might be. I think my three is going to be your one. I I think my I think. Oh fuck! I, <laughs> this, this is too hard. Oh my god! Um, uh, it's just how serious we're taking this, by the way. I, I I know, I know. To be honest, I think my third has to be a joint second. I, no, no, two. no, no. You've got no. to do one to four. Come on. Okay, 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 okay. It's got to be four. Oh, okay. Um, uh, reluctantly, and and again, four. I will watch a thousand more times than I watch one. But the thing with one is, uh, it is, and again, and again, I'm breaking my rule here about the fun thing. But um, it's obvious which one's my number one. There's no way I can put the two Ricky Hunter ones at the bottom because uh, his performance is magnificent. Uh, the tube train thing. So the fourth one, it's in number three. That's fine. You yeah, just yeah, 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 more yeah, yeah, No, about. yeah. Yeah, but okay. uh, yeah, yeah. But basically, I think my problem is is that is the the problem has has lots of genius things about it, but it wasn't as good as the the, the third one. Well, my number two is number one, mm. the original, and I'm with you there. Oh no, yes, I'm with you there. Okay, so so my number one is number four, right? And my just number because I laughed so much and absolutely, I wasn't expecting a comedy. Yeah, and to be delivered one that made I I I. Mate, I'm not going to... It's hard to get me to right. properly howl with laughter. Same, same. Really hard. Yeah. You know, I'm 50 now. I've seen everything. I, you know, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. You've really got to fucking get it right out to get me laughing. And that absolutely killed me. So right. that's why it's my number one. Uh, and, you're, and you're spot on. I mean, I've already banged on enough as to why this is why this is my number one. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm still questioning my, my, my choice of two being... Because you're absolutely right about four being hilarious. However... That hilarity in four cannot exist without this. Uh, yeah. four, four is Godfather two, and 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 this is Godfather <laughs> one. In that, like, in that you just can't have it. But the problem is, is that the first one is such a brilliant piece of uh, filmmaking, at least for the beginning. Again, I would definitely remove the, the Turkish thing. Uh, so, I, but anyway, I have to put the first one at two because I I, I don't want to be seen to be uh, separating. The uh, the different actors and the different people involved, but uh, the thing I would say is that uh, it's it still blows my mind how different they all are. Yep. So we've got our little quiz now, James, yes. where I've laboriously gone through every film and did a little tick every time they said the word. The C word. Yes. Right. <laughs> so what I'm going to do, we'll do a little higher lower quiz. So, but you can have a guess if you like. Rise of the Foot Soldier one. How many times do they say the word cunt? See, I don't think it's as prevalent because it's well, it's very noticeable in the later movies, like the third one, because lines like, you, you know, when a stone cold fucking coke it turns down a big fat line of blow, you don't have to be miscunting fucking marple to know something's afoot, right? Um, I mean, what an amazing line, right? Yep. And, and I, um, but um, the first one, I would say 70 times. Holy shit. And I've, you've no idea no. about this. It's 71. <laughs> Yeah, oh that is a sign of so how that, many times. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my Catherine's god, in the room here. She's just looked over at me. She's like absolutely gobsmacked. Catherine, <laughs> <laughs> really, 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 should we be gobsmacked? <laughs> this is the kind of quizzing I love. So, Rise of the Foot Soldier two, more or less cunts? Oh, <laughs> um. Less. Less? Go on, do you want to have a guess yeah. at the number? I'm going to tell you you are correct. 
Okay, I'd say 58. 45. Wow. So you got two out of two so far, James. This is unbelievable. Moving I mean... on to number three. Yes. Is this is number three higher or lower, cunts, than mm. number two? So oh, number two what? had 45. Way higher. It is way higher. Do you want to have a way guess? Um, 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 can, I just, can I ask one question? I'm assuming, well, actually, I won't ask because I'm going to assume. I'm assuming it's more than the first one as well. It is, so, yes. So I'm going to go with 94 C words. Oh, fuck off. It's 95. No, 92. <laughs> no! 92. Yes. No! Did you know I, that? I, 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 and I honestly have my feet for This is insane. Oh, my can God. Can you see my notepad? <laughs> <laughs> This is this is the clip that we're going to open the podcast with. <laughs> you know, Unbelievable, right. James. Number four. Yeah. Higher or lower? It's this. It's, we should have called this. You know, mate, Mr. Trick. We should have said, called this. Play your cunts right. <laughs> I mean, it would have to be. Ooh. No, no. You know what? It's. I think it's obviously going to be around the same as the third. It's it's not going to be much different. It's going to be ten either way. I think within ten either way, and I'm going to say, oh, you could cut the tension with a knife. I know. I mean, like my instinct tells me it's less, right? But I cannot believe that they would make a four, uh, another one. And actually, what, what's the running time of it? Oh, okay. I think it's less. I think it's possibly. Slightly less C yep. words in the fourth one. Than it the is less. One. Do you want to have a guess right, at okay. how many it was? Um, okay, I'm going to go with. Um, it's probably closer to eighty. Seventy-five. But mate, I, I mean, got, you were within five, <laughs> two, and one of the number of C words across a whole franchise with no prior knowledge and just guessing. That's that is, incredible. It's amazing, and it's not even like when I'm watching them. I'm. I'm count- I mean, I. If that is not proof that I've watched these movies hundreds of times, there it is. But now you've got a nice little... Next time someone calls you a cunt, we've got a nice little anecdote. (laughs) Actually, mate, I'm an expert. (laughs) Um, Now, listen, I've got got to mention one important thing. In case anyone was in any quest after all that to my obsession with these um, movies... I, I, I am but a mere ha- amateur in your presence, James. Well, no, I mean, I had once spent a wonderful uh, afternoon, and hopefully we're going to get him on the podcast. Um, I spent uh, a, a, a day in Birmingham with yep, Bernard O'Mahony, um, and he signed my Essex Boy book, um, and it's absolutely genius. It says, James, please meet me in Workhouse Lane tonight. We need to talk. Love you, Bernie. <laughs> That's genius. I, and then I also had the pleasure of having coffee, uh, one time with Tony Thompson, who actually interviewed Darren Nichols, the grass, um, or, or liar, uh, depending on who you... No, um, nobody likes the grass. And, uh, and it says, uh, uh, to James, uh, the truth is out there. And um, we haven't even touched upon the fact that Jack Worms and Mick Steele... Uh, they got annoyed... banged up for it. Right. Um, um, but, but the fact that... Um, so Noy is now out, walking around. So is uh, uh, the head of the Adams Family, Geezer. He's out. And... Um, and either Worms or Steele are about to get released. And there will be people who tell you that they definitely didn't do it. Catherine thinks the old Bill might have done it in retaliation for Leah Betts because her dad, I... Paul Betts, old Bill. Yes, I, I, funny enough... Funny enough and he looks like old Bill as well when you, when you saw an interview with him today. He, he, he does. He's, um, I thought the exact same thing. 
And, and, and actually, I thought it at the time, and people said it, and I thought, well, it's not really fair on the police to say that. But then I was watching, re-watching one of, the movie, one of these 15 movies, Bonded by Blood, watching that, and seeing the way that they were and how they were basically untouchable. I, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility. Could I mean, be. I mean I, I'm, it's funny how Jack Worms and Mick Steele pop up in all the different movies. And, of course, he's played by Billy Murray in lots of them. And, again, the actors change. But um, uh, most people agree that a couple of pot importers did not shotgun three geezers no anyway um anyway this will be talked about a lot more on the uh 500 part uh essex boys <laughs> Underground Boy special catherine uh take one good look at paul field because this might be the last time you see him because we are gonna dig deep into the research on because someone out there knows who done it and uh, and um uh, I must say, all Tony Thompson books about uh, the British crime scene are magnificent. This is a man that once took crack with a prostitute in the name of journalism for The Guardian. And it's a fantastic, <laughs> and it's a brilliant book. It's called Gangs, right? And, and you're reading it, and it's all a very intelligent, insightful thing into the inner workings of the criminal mind and the street dealer up to the kingpin. It's kind of like The Wire, but set in Camden. And then he has a scene when he goes and talks to this prostitute, and he's interviewing her about crack. And she says, do you want to try it? And he thinks I've been writing about crack for 25 years i should try it so he has a, 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 a hit on the pipe and suddenly in the book it goes whoa fuck yeah it's all written like that right? and he's like yeah and it's all like this and then he says uh, best feeling ever and then she says you want another one and he goes yeah and then he goes actually that's how it starts and he never did it again should we save the rest of it for another time because we've definitely, got like definitely. games of london top boy yes. villain. let's we'll, we'll let's park that well, if there's one thing I've realised, Paul, and we can leave this in, other people can hear this, right? I mean, I've, I've, I've missed you massively. And one of the important things about this pandemic uh, and global lockdown is it's made us realise what's important to us in life. And what's important to me is three dead drug dealers. Um, <laughs> no, no, what's important to me is you and, and, and this and... What do I really what am I passionate about? What, be, what, what do I want to be talking about? And believe it or not, listeners, uh, all billions of you out there, uh, it's hard for Paul and I to find other people that want to talk about this <laughs> shit with us. Um, so you're right. Let's make it a part series. I actually haven't finished Gangs of London. Uh, it turns out that uh, contrary to the uh, first episode seeming magnificent, uh, I think you're right about uh, where it's headed. Um, but this is part one uh, of... Uh, a new uh, I mean, I mega just, crim special. Mega crim special. Like, that's um, mega crim, not mega quim. Oh, you know what? You know, um, it, it, here in Canada, you know, qu- a quiff. This yeah. tough to pair. Yeah. Right? In Canada, the quiff is a is a lady's front bo- a vagina, right? Right. Right. It's absolutely true. So no one told me this. So all along, so first of so first of all, I discover it. My wife and I are at the hairdressers, and our hairdresser says. Uh, says, what shall I give her? And I said, why don't you give her a nice quiff? And he goes, uh, <laughs> and then, and, and then, and, and then, and, and he ingeniously, this is absolutely true, he ingeniously says, uh, doesn't she have one already? Right? Which I thought was beautiful. And then I realised, right, that I live in a town called, called, Quiz Pamsis, right? And 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 whenever I'd go on the road and joke about this stupid t- town name, Quiz Pamsis, people would say, "Oh, do you know what we call Quiz Pamsis? We call it Kiss Pam's Quiff, Kiss Pam's Quiff." And I used to think, <laughs> I used to think, what's funny about about Kissing that someone's kiss Quiff? Someone's yeah. And, and then and then I found out, and I'm like, oh, and then what makes it funnier is, of course, my name's wife is fucking Pam, and yes, I have. Yes. Here we are. Oh, right. Um, that was Living beautiful. Dream, brother. Brother. Join us next time for more adventures in criminality on Underground (laughs) Nights.
Love you, brother. I'm off to watch Foot Soldier 1, 2, 3, and 4. Thank you. <laughs> We didn't even mention Terry Stone syrup. I, I, I remember he tweeted me once because I, I tried to nominate his wig for a BAFTA. <laughs> oh, did you? That's <laughs> you. Oh.